When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 58 players will find their way onto NBA rosters in a matter of a couple hours. The NBA draft headed your way right here on ESPN radio coverage beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations and the ESPN app. You're listening to Canny and Carlin on ESPN radio and the ESPN app. He's Mike Wells. I'm Courtney Cronin. We're sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. As always, ESPN radio is presented by Progressive in insurance. So as we heard in the update from Adrian Wojnarowski, the order Mike is all but set for tonight's NBA draft. There should not be any surprises expected according to Woj. In order the top three prospects expected to go off the board. One, two, and three. Auburn forward Jabari Smith to the Orlando Magic at one. Gonzaga center Chet Holmgren at two to Oklahoma City and Duke forward Paolo Bencaro to the Houston Rockets at three. This draft is Intriguing for a number of different reasons. Uh, for, for the biggest one, in my opinion, the fact that there is no consensus number one like we've seen in previous years. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And no Zion Williamson, no Cade Cunningham. There was a little bit of intrigue this past week with the Orlando Magic saying that they were considering and listening to all offers for that number one pick, whether that's a smokescreen, whether that's posturing. According to Woj's reporting, it's all of those things because they're expected to go with Jabari Smith tonight. But what do you make of, I guess, the lack of intrigue at the top of the draft? Or maybe it is more intrigue than I'm giving it because it feels like we're in the same territory that we were in three months ago with the NFL draft, whether it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson number one, whether it was Trayvon Walker, and we obviously know that order was flipped. How do you see the draft this year I, I kind of like it this way Courtney because you know unlike in previous years where it was clear who the number one overall pick were 2021 it was Kay Cunningham you go back to 20 you go back to 2020 you had Anthony Edwards obviously in 2019 the Pelicans took Zion Williamson as the number one overall pick I think this is more of a guessing game you, you're kind of you're kind of curious like okay What's going to happen? Who's the surprise player that could be going number one? Even though, I like Woj just alluded to, you know, all signs point to uh, Jabari going to uh, Orlando with the number one overall pick. But in previous years, you kind of just knew it. You you knew months in advance who was going to be the top pick. You've seen, you know, a bunch of jumping around over the past few months of uh, how, how the order was going to go. So I'm more intrigued by it because what, what if the Orlando Magic decided to trade back? They decided the last minute, ah, you know what, this draft doesn't have – that, that, that clear-cut number one overall pick. So we can move back, collect some draft picks, and go from there. So I'm I'm looking forward to see how it, seeing how it shakes out because when it's predictable and it's obvious, I don't pay much attention to it. See, I can understand that um, because intrigue should, if in theory, draw more eyeballs because you don't know what's going to happen. But even though there's no consensus, number one, it feels like at this point we do know what's going to happen. And I know the report from Woj where the top of the draft board is is basically all but solidified here, as we thought it would be. And, and that to me is maybe why I'm, I guess, like a little bit 
less excited for the NBA draft wait, 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 than, than in so, previous so, years. So the Woj, the Woj, the Woj bomb kind of kind of kill a little luster for you since he went ahead and dropped that nugget early. No, not not in the slightest. Uh, I mean, his reporting is always top notch, and I, I did appreciate hearing it. But I felt like we knew this uh, in large part because of all that we've heard about Chet Holmgren and how some teams look at his size and his body uh, at his size at seven foot, one hundred ninety five pounds, like knowing that that's a very raw prospect. So I never expected him to be really in, in consideration for the number one overall pick. So you looked at like the top three names. Paulo Bencaro might be the best player in the draft, but there's a reason why he's projected to go number three overall to the Houston Rockets and why Jabari Smith, a high-ceiling, high-reward player from Auburn who has the most upside, is expected to go number one overall to the, to the Orlando Magic. But I just feel like in years past when I knew Zion Williamson was hands down going to the New Orleans Pelicans number one overall in all of the excitement that came for that fan base realizing that they had a player capable of turning their franchise around obviously uh, that has not come to fruition entirely just yet but even with Cade Cunningham last year in the Detroit Pistons and how much excitement there was for that team of going out of the coming out of the cellar and you know going back to ground level to try to rebuild that franchise I just felt like the bigger the names the more of the excitement and I'm not saying these aren't big enough names for me and others who are, who are tuning into the NBA draft tonight. It just kind of feels like there hasn't been the same sort of intrigue around the draft this year than maybe there was in previous years. You know what? You, you, you made some great points there. It, it would be more intriguing, I, I think, if there was kind of a debate of who should be – if there was two players who clearly deserve to go number one. I don't think we can say, okay, there's – clear-cut two guys that deserve to go number one, a la, you know, 2007, Kevin Durant, Greg Oden. Sure. You know, where you're like, okay, who should be that top pick? Which, which you know, does Portland want to get? Does Portland want to take a guy to play alongside Brandon Roy and Kevin Durant, or did they want to get that franchise center guy in Greg Oden? Obviously, we know what happened. Greg Oden, unfortunately, was injured all the time. But there's there's no there's no suspense like that where they're like, okay, you can't go – really can't go wrong with either player as that top pick. I think – all three players that are projected, who everybody's talking about, I think you can kind of nitpick and find flaws to say, okay, they don't deserve to be the number one overall pick in this year's draft. And someone who probably falls into that category more than Jabari Smith and Paolo Bancaro is Chet Holmgren. And we mentioned it, the size itself and just realizing physically where he is at. And I know that he's got a great toolbox and, you know, is a terrific player for Gonzaga for um, a lot of different reasons. But there's a reason that he isn't being considered the number one consensus, number one overall pick. And yesterday we had Jordan Cornette, ESPN radio host and college basketball analyst on Spain and Fitz to kind of pick through the argument about why Holmgren is not truly in consideration for the number one spot to Orlando. I think that's what makes it so exciting is that there's not a, a dead set number one. And as I look at, honestly, everyone says the draft gets interesting at four and there's a drop off. I see Keegan Murray at the fifth spot and think these are five guys that can change a franchise. So I think that there's in a lot of ways, they're alluring in different ways, but they're hybrid guys. They're versatile pieces. They're gifted, unique set of skills uh, that can be puzzle pieces and malleable to different franchises in those first five that need it. Chet Holmgren's at the top of that list. I, I think the 
the biggest question mark with him is durability. We've seen body types like that. There's not a ton of muscle. His back is kind of concave a little bit. You don't necessarily love the posture. Can that hold up? Uh, the toughness is in question because of his body. But, you know, one of the things about the draft that it always is a misnomer to me, Amber and Courtney, is people always focus on what people can't do. And one of those things that he certainly can do, Chet Holmgren, that is, for a team that was awful last year in terms of three-point percentage, uh, give them some much-needed spacing with his ability to shoot, push off the defensive glass, create for his teammates. Um, and he can finish around the basket. It's just that durability factor that Jordan Cornette was talking about. And I think all of that's fair. And But what Jordan was saying is that because he's not considered – by any stretch, is a consensus number one, number one overall pick. That that's why it's so intriguing. I don't know. For me, I just feel like I read right through this, and I know already, and I've known already that Jabari Smith from Auburn is probably going to be that guy at number one overall. And I knew, and I do, still know, and I don't believe that there's anything you can do, Mike, to convince me otherwise that the Orlando Magic are not going to just stay at number one and take the take the their their pick of the entire draft board which in the end will be Jabari Smith. So plenty more to get to here on NBA Draft Thursday. Reminder coverage coming your way 7 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations. I believe we've got 5 hours strong here tonight on the network breaking down every single pick of the 58 that will be called tonight. Straight Talk Wireless no contract no compromise. Coming up next the fourth player expected off of the board, who Jordan Cornette just told us about, Jaden Ivey. If he's so highly coveted, why have we not heard his name discussed as a potential top three pick? We're going to get into that next after I tell you this from Vivid Seats. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get to the get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, and every walk-off. And with your Vivid Seats rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every single ticket. From the box seats to the bleachers, Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just visit vividseats.com and download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. Let's tap in with Dallin Cuff, ESPN basketball analyst, here to break down a little bit more of the NBA draft field. And, and the name that's so intriguing to me, Dallin, is Jaden Ivey. And the fact that so many draft analysts and experts have him so highly coveted, yet he's not among the top three prospects most expect to go off the board one, two, and three to Orlando, Oklahoma City, and then Houston. Why is that? Courtney, I will answer your question in a second, but I tell you, I need this interview right now. You know why I need this? <laughs> I am the least handy person on the planet. I've been trying to hang a curtain rod here for, let's say, about an hour and a half. I'm pouring sweat. <laughs> I'm completely inept. My daughter has destroyed our living room while I'm in here in the bedroom. I'm going to try to feel like I'm decent at something, so let's talk about some basketball. Uh, Jaden Ivey, um, why he is, he's not coming off the board higher? Because, in all honesty, Chet Holmgren could be a generational talent. Jabari Smith is completely unique in the fact that he's 6'10 uh, and makes 42% of his three-pointers from last year. He, he needs to learn to put the ball in the deck. He needs to learn to be a playmaker to truly be the guy they want him to be. Because right now, he's the first overall pick, potentially, most likely, that is really a 3 and D guy in the league. Now, versatile defender, really good shooter, but 
you'd want to have maybe a little bit more, but hopefully he can develop that. Paolo Bencaro is most NBA-ready in terms of physical size. He's 6'10", 255, can knock down shots, can score in the mid-range, and can play make. So all three of those dudes are, are truly unique. Jade Nivey may be the most productive player this year. He is explosive. He's the most dynamic player, but he is still you know, a 6'4", wing player. As, as much as wing players dominate the game, you, you kind of need these wing guys that, are, that could be truly unique that are the guys they're really looking for. It's a futures market. You're looking to bet and, and make a big – you're looking to bet, uh, you know, bet and make a big play and, and make a big win there, and, and that's what Chet Holmgren could be. That's what Jabari could be. That's what Paolo could be. Jaden is less of a bet, but he may not have the, the meteoric upside. That said, you don't know. We don't know that. That's the whole thing. That's why NBA draft is so hard. He has so many skills and talents that will be useful right away. Um, I think you'd like to see him be a more committed defender on the other side if he could do that and be a true, a true two-way player. Uh, he may be the most impactful rookie, but in terms of just trying to project out, the other three dudes may give you something a little more unique long-term than Jaden will. But, again, we do not know that. Hey, Dallin, you made a mention about um, Chet Holmgren could potentially be a generational-type player. Um, clearly, he can do, do it all on the basketball court. How much are teams concerned about, you know, in street ball terminology – how light in the booty he is because he, you know, he's kind of a, he's like a bean, he's like a bean pole, you know, that's what, you know, street, street ball terminology when uh, somebody doesn't have much weight on them. How much are teams concerned about that with Chet? I mean, you are, it's, it's not just his, his body, Mike, because I mean, we'll go back to Durant. Remember Durant, he couldn't bench 135. Everybody wants to laugh at that. Yada, yada, yada. Dude's one of the 10 best players ever played a game. He is truly unique. He is, he is what Jabari Smith hopes one day he could be. Um, but when you look at Chet, the thing that's different about Chet, when you see his body, it's, a, it's like the hunchback and the kind of just how his body, you just haven't seen a body like that. Like Durant had, his, he had a little bit broad shoulders, but really, really thin frame. And we kind of, it's just not as abnormal, kind of how Chet runs. His, his body just looks, you wonder when he starts to put on mass, what that actually is going to look like. Because he may need to put on a little more mass. He's not as, he can put on the deck. He can rip and run. He can take the ball off the rim and he can go push it up the court and create for somebody. He can go push up the court and knock down a three. He's, his three-point uh, percentage went up through the course of the year. His confidence went up. His stroke was look, looked good all along, but his confidence was different. Um, it is, it's less about just his frailty. My thing is just like, will he, what will his body look like as he matures, as he grows up? Because we really haven't seen that before from a guy of his size and a 7'6 wingspan. I think he, he's still going to have an impact on the game. Even as a rookie, he's going to be able to block shots and deter guys. Not deter guys physically from going to the rim, but he's, gonna, he's a, a vertical problem in terms of trying to shoot and score over him. I just mentioned what he can do offensively. So he has the pieces. Now, to be truly great, he's going to need to fill out. Yes, and when he fills out, what does that actually mean? What does that mean for his body type, which we really haven't seen before, um, is the big question. And, again, nobody has these answers. But that's why, you know, that's why this, is, this draft is so intriguing because it's so unpredictable. Like, it hasn't been since 2013, guys, we actually knew who the first-round pick wasn't, the first overall pick wasn't in question. Anthony Bennett was a shock. Every other year since then, and most years, it's kind of, kind of locked in. Jabari is, you know, the, the Vegas thinks he's the right guy. Orlando said that, felt that from the beginning, but they've been very tight lips from people you talk to. They, Jabari's been their guy since the lottery balls went their way. But we, we really don't know. The unpredictability of this draft, one through three, and really the whole first round is what makes this really exciting. And Chet's probably, he's the biggest boomer bust because he could, he could, he has the, he could have the lowest ceiling of those first three guys, but he also could have the highest floor. I'm sorry, the highest, lowest, lowest floor, he could have the highest ceiling. ESPN basketball analyst Dallin Cuff joins Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells on Canny and Carlin. Someone you got to see a lot over the last year with doing your work with the ACC Network is Paulo Bancaro. And in my opinion, this might be the best player in the draft, like a number one scoring option he showed throughout the year. He can create for others as well as himself. 
why can you can you make an argument for him potentially being the number one overall pick or going higher than three to the Houston Rockets? Like, why is he in that spot behind Smith and Holmgren? I think, like I said earlier, Paolo will be the – I think he could be the most impactful guy right away because his NBA – his body is NBA ready. He's 6'10", 255, 260. He's a three-level scorer. He can play make off the bounce. Underrated passer, a willing passer, which is also important too. Um, and obviously his team did play through him a lot last year. His role would be different on the Rockets if he goes there, but still he would be a guy that would be a threat offensively. I think, Courtney, to answer your question is defensively he is a liability, and he doesn't really have the lateral foot speed. He's not shown the desire – uh, which a lot of guys at the highest level in college don't necessarily do that because they're maybe not asked to do that all the time. And if not wired that way, they may not do it. He's just not really capable of it. When you look at Chet and when you look at Jabari, they both could be – Jabari already is a really elite defender in multiple positions. Chet is, a, is an elite shot blocker and can really affect guys and, and even switch out and guard a guard at times and contain the ball. So he's able to impact – they're able to impact the ball on that side of the floor. And offensively, they are both unique. I keep using that word. They are, they are different in the way that they play, and their ceilings can be really high on, on both for both those guys. Paolo is the most polished here, but I think defensively, he may always be a bit of a liability. He may learn to become a better positional defender. He may learn to, to, to cheat, cheat some things and anticipate things well, um, but physically his lateral quickness is not great. He's not an explosive athlete. He does not play above the rim very, very much unless it's in a fast-break situation or two-on-one. So his, his, his game, his athleticism is somewhat limited, and he's limited on the defensive end by choice and by skill set. So I think that's why he falls in that place. That said, I mean, Vegas had him at 18-1 to 1 last week to be the first overall pick. Then he, he was a plus 175 a day and a half ago. Now I think he's in the plus 200 range. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, nobody really knows the deal. I would be shocked if he went one. But uh, but there still is an outside shot that could happen. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Don, I, I like that you say about the whole potential shock of he if uh, Apollo went number one. Because I'm, I'm under the belief I love the suspense behind this draft with no clear-cut number one. With that said, as, as you look at this draft, you know, all the mock drafts and everything – which player, in your eyes, is the biggest question mark in the draft for, as far as first-round picks go? I mean, it's got to be Shaden Sharp, guys. Uh, I mean, he, we haven't seen him play since last year. And I actually talked to him last year, yesterday on a podcast we do for the Junior NBA. And he, he's a good young man. He's excited to get out there and show people what he's done. But I'm like, you know, it was with him and Ty Ty Washington. I said, Ty Ty, what does this guy do? Because nobody's seen him play in a year. And, you know, that was a business decision he made, essentially. He reclassified, uh, moved up a year, essentially, got into Kentucky midseason and never chose to play for Kentucky. He chose to practice, and Coach Kyle helped him. And as Ty Ty said, and, and some people know, when, when you're on the scout team and when you know you're not playing, that's a fun role to be in sometimes when you, or because there are no rules for you. You just go get buckets when you can get them. So he was allowed to do that in practice and not, not have the same, the same things asked of him in practice. But Coach, still, Coach Kyle still worked with him to improve throughout the, throughout the season, he said, and helped him provide some, some insight on how to be a pro, which is critical. But the fact that we haven't seen him play – and the difference from AAU or high school all the way to the NBA, we've not seen that very recently. And guys that have, whether it was, you know, uh, was a thought maker a couple years ago, didn't really pan out. Like that, that is a massive jump in that we've seen a lot of guys before the one and done role was gone. That's hard to do. And so we'll see how physically and mentally he is prepared. He says he is. It's a whole different thing going there. And then becoming a pro. He spent a couple months at Kentucky. He said it took, told me, took him two months just to adjust to life at Kentucky. And then he was gone two months later. You know, to just being a pro and that pro lifestyle, we talked a little bit about that. That is a big wake up call too. So I think he has at six foot nine, he can shoot it, he can put it on the deck. He's a very skilled offensive player. But again, it's a big difference when you're playing against guys in the league and you did not play against guys at a high level college basketball. That's a big gap. So how he is the he's the international man of mystery from Canada right now. Coverage of the first round of the NBA draft begins 7 p.m. Eastern time on most ESPN radio stations. 
the order for the top five, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Houston, Sacramento, and Detroit. Who will hear their name called first? ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski says it's going to be Jabari Smith. We will see later on if there are indeed going to be any surprises. He is Dallin Cuff, ESPN basketball analyst, kind enough to join Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells here on Canty and Carlin. Good luck uh, hanging the rest of these curtains. I know after uh, trying to put my place together the last week or so, Dallin, how difficult that is. Uh, I am not handy whatsoever, but I did set up my internet today with only a little bit of help. So uh, that's my silver lining, and uh, that's my uh, goodwill I'm bestowing upon you as you work on these projects. Well, there's no amount of goodwill that's going to help me, Courtney. I'm an absolute disaster. But thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we appreciate you. He's Dallin Coffey, SBN basketball analyst here with us on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next, 37 words that changed the landscape of not only college athletics, but gender equity in education and other arenas. Title IX, it is bigger than just sports. And today is the 50th anniversary of it being passed. We'll get into that next here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. What is Title IX? Well, it's short for Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972, a major piece of civil rights legislation that was passed 50 years ago this month. And its most monumental part, the part that cleared the way for equity for women and girl athletes at federally funded schools, are these 37 words. 37 words that changed the game forever. No person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. Fifty years after the legislation was passed that we now know as Title IX, the effects of that very bill and the four women 
who first came forward to spark this movement are felt in all aspects of society, not just the arena of sport. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. And, Mike, I got thinking about Title IX and the upcoming uh, you know, 50th anniversary a couple weeks ago when – we started talking about programming. I voiced over some Title IX uh, promos that we were doing here locally in Chicago for ESPN 1000. And, and thinking about all of the trailblazers who have ties to this city, Kim Ng, who's the first gen- female general manager of the major four sports, was with the Chicago White Sox at one point. So obviously that was a tie. Candace Parker, Ashton Washington, who's the first female scout for the Chicago Bears. Like all these women who have like incredible stories. And they're in sports. Like, they actually work for teams and are a part of teams, whether they are athletes or front office members. But I also got thinking about, like, myself as somebody who, A, not athletic, so I didn't really benefit um, in high school or when I was playing, you know, soccer back in the day from, from Title IX. It, I didn't feel at that time that it truly had much of an impact on me, and that's probably an ignorant way of thinking because it's just not taught that you know, it, it, there's not that much uh, education on it at the grade school, middle school level. But it took me getting into this industry of journalism, of sports talk radio, to realize that it's not just gender equity in sports that Title IX benefits the most. It's recognizing that this is something that I benefit from in this space. It's equity that came from Title IX in other spaces related to sports and, and not related to sports and you know, truly at large in all of these educational spaces. No, uh, you're, you're, you're exactly right about that, Courtney. And, uh, and, and don't short your change on uh, don't short self don't short change yourself about your athletic ability. Oh, I'm it was sure you bad. were you were a heck of a striker on the soccer field. Back I was in a goalie day, so. and I got four, uh, three concussions in a year and a half. So my career ended. But it's kind of like puts it all like uh, in perspective that pushed me into, well, my mom says I can't play soccer anymore. So I've got to do something else. Fortunately, my high school had a radio station and we were able to broadcast um, football games, girls and boys, basketball games, baseball. Like it was ahead of its time and it, it still is. But I, again, was the only girl, the only female in my, in my sports radio program in high school. And it was Title IX in many ways that gave me the ability to be in that space at a young age, whereas, you know, in, in previous years pr- prior to 1972, that probably would not have been an option for me or anybody else. Yeah. Did, did you ever feel like as you were, you know, the only uh, female in, the, in those situations that it was you were swimming upstream without a paddle, having there- to prove yourself – even more because of you were the only woman in those groups in those classes or whatnot. Yeah, I think I, sure. I, everybody's anybody who's you know made it to this level um, where I'm hosting a national radio show. The opportunity and the privilege I have to do that on ESPN Radio. Like anybody who who has been a, has walked this walk that I've done like for a long time, um, they'll tell you yes. Constantly swimming upstream, and and I do feel like. It has gotten, in some respects, easier because the representation, thanks in part to Title IX and the leg- legislation that's been passed, but also the the ability for people to realize that inclusion and diversity is not just 
they're not just buzzwords. They're, they're real things that are applicable in life. Like that, that's helped people like me. That's helped the younger generation, um, make their way because I've, I've always said this and, um, you know, I've credited people that I worked with, especially in the Bay Area, because I worked with like a lot of OGs out there, like Janie McCauley, who works for the Associated yes. Press, Ann Killian, who's at the San Francisco Chronicle, Lisa Olson, um, and I still consider her a Bay Area person. Like, those are the people who dealt with, you can't go into a men's locker room. Like they dealt with like the groundbreaking stuff and, and shattering that glass ceiling. I'm the next generation, probably two generations removed from that, that came along that didn't have to deal with um, some of the things that came prior to Title IX and, you know, that came as a result of Title IX. Now me going into a locker room and, and thank goodness we're all going to be back in locker rooms covering the NFL this year because it was hard not to be during COVID, but I won't have, I've never had those issues of, I don't belong in this space because there were so many other pioneers who helped lessen that burden for people like me. Like that wasn't applicable. I have my own burdens that we have to deal with of my generation uh, covering athlete, covering athletics, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, what have you. But it's never been like I didn't have to fight the real, real hard fight just to get my foot in the door that the generation that came as a byproduct of Title IX did. You know, I, I've got I've got a uh, soon to be 13 year old daughter, and for the longest time she wanted to be in the medical field, and it was probably three four months ago, she made a mention of wanting to get into journalism. So you talk about the pioneer wrote you know the pioneers of uh, people who who got started up that path, and you know people like you and so many other females in this industry are you know continuing to pave the way. My daughter will be she's probably several several. Uh, a couple generations away from that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, a- as this road, as she, you know, carves her niche and if she continues to want to, you know, pursue a career in journalism, there will be people like you who I will be mentioning. And, yes, I will have you talk to her at some point, take of advantage course. of our friendship in that area. But, uh, I mean, it, it is it's people like you who have done that. And, and for those who don't know, you know, I kind of I consider myself like a, a, a big brother to Courtney. And I, I love – the niche that she has carved out from when she first got hired at ESPN in 2018. Right? <laughs> that the the, the 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 path that you've taken from coming in to cover the Minnesota Vikings to our you know our, our late late great friend Jeff Dickerson helping you get on ESPN Radio to now showing up on Around the Horn. Uh, you'll be on First Take next week. I mean, you were. You are definitely being a role model for so many other, uh, not only, I don't even want to say females, Courtney. I want to say for so many young people in this business on what it takes to get to the top. So, yes, I'm not trying to get sentimental on this because we're talking about Title IX, but, I mean, I've told Courtney this a number of times in text messages. I love how she is a go-getter and how she kicks butt. And she is, she's going to, she already is a star at ESPN, and it's going to keep getting better and better. Well, I appreciate all of that. And I mean, it. I think that's the thing. We all have our individual stories and we've all seen Title IX in action where it's not just, you know, a sport being created out of Title IX or an opportunity in athletics. It, it's something, opportunities for both men and women that go into the educational space. They go into, you know, the medical field, like you were mentioning. I mean, there's so many arenas that – that's why like June 23rd is not just another day on the calendar. It's one of the most crucial days in the history of sports and changing the daily lives of American women 
year after year after year. And by no stretch of the imagination am I saying that our progress has been achieved and that we are done. There is still a lot to get into here. And we will on Canty and Carlin just with some of the, you know, the, the equal, the equity in terms of like the, um, the pay gap in sports and, you know, opportunity. And, and a lot of studies have found that we still have quite a ways to go. But it's a really important day to pause and reflect on what Title IX is for those who don't know and don't understand that it's not just something that's intan- you know, an untouchable thing that's just related to athletics. You, I, and everybody else are reflective of it and um, definitely you know, benefiting of it. So we're going to keep talking about Title IX. It's bigger than just sports, and we're going to talk about it here on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next, taking your calls on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-729. Three seven seven six. What do you think of when you think of Title IX? That's next. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It was a 37-word civil rights law that was introduced by Representative Patsy Mink of Hawaii in 1972. We know it now as Title IX, and today is the 50th anniversary of when it went into effect. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Let's hit the phones. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells. On the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Squat to Brandon in Phoenix. Brandon, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, how you doing this afternoon? doing good i just going you know i totally think it's awesome this whole title nine get uh equal equality in the workplace definitely awesome only one issue it is i do have is you know especially taking the WNBA for an example is you can't ask for equal pay when you don't bring the same you know product that the nba brings you know there's you don't they're not selling out stadiums they're not barely selling as many tickets you know, the viewership is not the same. So if we could somehow adjust that and promote it more, I think there would be a more, you know, growth, you know, to equal out the, the balance in pay. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for the call. That's that's something that we hear a lot. And I I will personally say, Mike, that I've learned a lot about Title IX being on radio with our colleague Sarah Spain. I mean, she's a huge champion for women's sports, but – not just the sports itself, it's the visibility aspect of it. And I feel like I've learned over the last couple of years just about how the access is directly related to the output 
and the finances that come along with it because you're going to hear from a lot of people, well, women's sports aren't on TV. They don't draw the same as men's sports. Well, we've never really, until recently, to be quite honest, been in the space where they've had the access, the same television dollars, the same television radio opportunities to be broadcast in a way that the NBA or or any of the other quote-unquote big four are. No, you're right. And I, I think they're trying to get there. I mean, they're trying to get to get to the to the point where they're getting the same type of levels. I mean, unfortunately, it, it, especially when you compare the NBA and WNBA, even though there's so much talent in the WNBA level, um, you know, I, of course, this is coming from a guy who's got a, a daughter that plays basketball. Mm-hmm. So I've transitioned into enjoying women's college NCAA and uh, WNBA. Hopefully it can get to that point where the gap is close, is, get, is getting closer. Will it ever, you know, become even? Who knows? But I feel like the gap is slowly trying to get there. Yeah, I mean, the WNBA salary gap with the NBA uh, is roughly 1.5% of the average NBA salary. The WNBA average salary, $100,000. The average NBA salary exceeding $7 million. A lot to work on there uh, in both arenas to close that wage gap. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, with you on this Thursday afternoon, sitting in for the guys as always. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So I used to cover recruiting. So when I, can, when I hear and I look down at my phone earlier today, the news that Arch Manning, number one overall quarterback, whatever, in uh, the class of 2023, number one recruit, uh, commits to Texas. I smile a little bit, Mike, because I used to be, this was my bread and butter. This was my come up as a journalist. I covered recruiting for 247 Sports, IU Basketball when I was in college. And then right out of college, my first real journalism gig down at the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi, was heavily uh, entrenched in football recruiting, basketball recruiting. I mean, that's that's how I cut my teeth as a journalist. I don't get to talk about recruiting all that often anymore because once I left Mississippi, I realized that there is a whole other world of sports to talk about, and it is very much a niche audience that cares about high school athletes committing and uh, decommitting because that happens a lot uh, to different schools. But Arch Manning, who you know the last name, the number one recruit in the 2023 class, committing to Texas, I feel like this is obviously huge news, not just because it's late June and you know there's not a whole ton of football stuff going on, but because we've been following this kid's commitment or his recruitment for probably longer than most in this 2023 class. He's got a famous last name. He had all the top suitors, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. The list goes on and on. Probably had committable offers at any school that he wanted to go to. But this is a big one because of the pedigree, who, where he comes from, who he is related to, and also the fact that he's number one player in his class. This is the most I've paid attention to recruiting. God, I might. It's. I had to go back at least 10, 15 years, Courtney, as far as paying attention to recruiting. And again, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Part of it is, you know, actually, I don't want to say part of it. A big, a big part of it is the last name Manning. Mm-hmm. You know, with living here in Indianapolis, where Peyton sure. Manning obviously um, spent so many years with the Indianapolis Colts franchise and everything. And you know, I've I've chronicled and read all the stories that have been written about him over the last couple of years. And because so many people say he, he potentially could be the best of all the Manning kids, if you're going to be better than uh, Uncle Peyton, I want I want to I want to follow your career path. And I got to say, um, 
the fact that he went ahead and announced it now with a full year, he got another year of high school to go and stuff. So it, it, it's been fun. I've enjoyed recruit watch, watching recruitment uh, 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 once again. And I know you living in it when you were living in the SEC country down there in Mississippi, you probably – I mean, that was your life, paying attention to what yeah. school, if Ole Miss was going to be able to get a kid or whatnot. So it's been fun. And now, now I'm anxious to see when he gets on the football field of Texas. Is he going to really going to follow in the footsteps of uh, Uncle Eli and Uncle Peyton, or is he just going to be just a name of the Manning family? Yeah, so for, for those who don't know, his father is Cooper Manning. That's the oldest, eldest Manning um, who did not play in the National Football League. So this is Peyton Manning and Eli Manning's nephew. So he's paving his own path in the SEC. Peyton went to Tennessee. Eli went to Ole Miss. Now we've got Arch Manning going to Texas, who is soon to join the SEC. And it just feels like for any athlete, at least that I can remember, the biggest celebrity recruitment in college football in a very long time, certainly there have been big names to come through uh, in previous years, but this guy is tied to football football royalty in ways that other recruits have not been. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that too, which is why I think the way that he handled his recruitment um, you know, speaks volumes just to the guidance and the leadership that he has around him. Coming up next, L. Duncan, Sports Center host, 